maybe hope, maybe even for us. We need a lot more people raising the ruckus, start making a fuss, start giving up, and get out into the streets, and there may be hope. Hello, you're listening to KUBU, Low Power FM Radio in Sacramento. This is The Voice, The Voice of Sacramento. You can find KUB locally at 96.5 on your FM dial, or you can also listen to the station on the internet, accesssacramento.org. This program is The Climate Report, and I'm your host, Dale Steele. We're on weekly at this day and time. The program is brought to you by 350 Sacramento, a local climate action group inspired by 350.org. I'll be your host, and each program will provide you with local, regional, and national news about climate change, as well as local calendar events, interviews, and more. For more details, including past radio programs, or if you have questions or comments, please visit 350sacramento.org. Hello, Sacramento. It's time again for the Climate Report. On today's show, we're going to hear from the current events class at the Language Academy here in Sacramento. They've started a project to look at current vehicle idling at their school and share information about the cost of public health, the environment, and the economy from this wasteful and unnecessary practice. Go Jaguars! We're also going to hear from the CEO of a major utility company with a goal to cut its carbon use by 80% by the year 2030 and what they will need to do to remove that last 20%. No, this isn't our SMUD utility, but the information and uncertainly directly apply here, as does the need to push all utilities to be more aggressive in getting to carbon zero and 100% renewable energy use. So be sure to check out the 350sacramento.org website to find out more about all the ongoing activities and events that you can get involved with and sign up for the weekly newsletter to make sure that you stay informed and involved. Music today, we're going to hear a little bit of very popular Fatboy Slim's live remix of popular song Right Here, Right Now using Greta Thunberg's recent speech. And we're also going to hear some Greta Thunberg as part of a new album to be released by 1975. And now... Find some shelter and get ready. It's time for the Climber Report. I'm Sawyer Kenish. And I'm Mindy Grabo. If your car is staying in a single place while not moving, it's called idle. The U.S. EPA states monitoring at schools has shown elevated levels of men's formaldehyde and other air toxins during the afternoon hour conceding with parents picking up their children. Sounds dangerous, right? That's is Andy. That's is Sawyer. Ahora está contigo Giovanni Ortega. Si su automóvil aún está activo y se encuentra en un solo lugar, se llamará Lenti. Técnicamente es tener el motor en marcha 
la EPA declara el monitorio en las escuelas ha demostrado niveles elevados de benceno, formaleído y otros tóxicos del aire durante la tarde, coincidiendo con los padres recogiendo a sus hijos de la escuela. Se escucha muy peligroso, ¿no? Lo que queremos comprobar es que lo que queremos comprobar es que si tu coche está inactivo durante 30 segundos o más, todavía puedes hacer daño a nosotros, pero también al medio ambiente. Lo que queremos comprobar es que si tu coche está inactivo durante 30 segundos o más, todavía puede hacernos daños a nosotros. Pero también al medio ambiente, dejar que su motor funcione sin un uso no suena tan grave. Pero recuerda, que cada acto pequeño eventualmente hace un impacto a tu parte y apaga el motor. Fast Rep, signing off. Hi, this is Yvette Mesa and Sherlyn Gomez. Today we will be talking about myths and facts about idling. Idling is a serious problem in our community. Many people are based in myths when they ignore the real facts. Today we will talk about one of the most popular myths to begin with Many people believe you save money by idling. This is incorrect. You can waste an average of one-fourth to one-half a gallon by the hour. With this, people waste money and at the same time, they hurt people's lungs. Another myth is that idling helps, helps your car engine get warmer and with this, work better. The truth for this is, excessive idling can damage your engine compo components, which is the complete opposite of what it's supposed to do. The last myth for today is many people believe that idling wastes less gasoline than restarting your car. This incorrect fact for the fact that people waste two minutes of idling goes a ghost mile worth of gasoline. Remember, let's be idle free. Muchas personas creen en mitos sobre dejar su automóvil encendido. Como se mencionó antes, este es un problema grave y serio para nuestra comunidad. Las verdades de dejar tu automóvil encendido serán expuestas hoy. Uno de los mitos que muchas personas creen es que no gastas dinero en dejar tu automóvil prendido. Si lo dejas encendido, no gastarás nada de gasolina. Pero la verdad es que un promedio de la gente gasta un cuarto a un medio de galón solo por dejar su automóvil encendido. Esto causa que las personas gasten más dinero pero más que nada lastiman los pulmones de las personas a su alrededor. Otro mito es que si reinicias tu vehículo gastas más gasolina que solo dejarlo prendido. Bueno, la verdad es que tener el motor encendido durante más de 10 segundos consume más combustible que, de, que reiniciar el motor. Nuestro último mito por hoy va a ser que muchas personas piensan que dejar su carro encendido ayuda al motor a trabajar mejor. La verdad en eso es que dejar el vehículo encendido por un exceso de tiempo daña los componentes del motor, incluidos los cilindros, las bujías y los sistemas de escape. En otras palabras, dejar tu motor encendido daña al motor y a las personas alrededor. Recuerda de apagar tu motor. Hi, I'm Piper Brostrom. Yo soy de la Baxafra. The effects of idling and the after effects of idling. The effects of idling can be very great. Many of these effects can be long term. 
Los efectos del motoran espera son muy graves. Nos afecta nuestra salud y los efectos pueden durar por mucho tiempo. Here are only some of the examples of the effects of the island. One, it wastes gas. Two minutes of island can waste a mile worth of gas. Aquí son solamente unos de los efectos del quedar en motor en espera. Número uno, gasta tu gas. Si dejas el motor encendido para dos minutos, has gastado suficiente gas para viajar una mía. Two, it wastes money. Americans spend 13 million every day on unnecessary idling, which is 3.8 million gallons of fuel wasted. Número dos, ahora dinero. 13 millones de dólares en gas cada día en América es gastado porque da el motor en encendido. 3. It ruins our planet. For every 10 minutes of idling you cut from your life, you save on one pound of carbon dioxide from being released into the atmosphere. Número 3. Arruina la planeta. Cuando dejas el motor encendido, libera dióxido de carbono en el aire, un gas peligroso. 4. It makes us unhealthy. Idling is linked to increase in asthma, allergies, heart and lung disease, and cancer. Kids are especially vulnerable because they inhale more air per pound of body weight. And a good portion of idling happens near schools. Número 4. Afecta nuestra salud. Cuando el motor se queda en espera, hay una inclinación en asma, las alergias, enfermedades cardíacas y pulmonares, y además el cáncer. 5. It makes us less smart. Um, breathing exhaust fumes can get damaged and kill brain cells. Número 5. El motor encendido puede quemar y matar células del cerebro. Thank you. I'm Piper Rostrom. Y yo soy Stella Baxaka. We breathe in from our nose to our mouth. Don't idle or my lungs will hurt out. Turn it off, all we want is clean air. If you keep on idling, then that won't be fair. Say so you're keeping it on, cause it was this gas. How they telling lies, yeah, you're in a trance. You do what you please, but just do what we ask. Trying to keep kids safe, but that's what you lack. You think you're saving gas, like no, you're polluting. Hurting lungs like there's no harm doing. If you care for us, don't keep refusing. Do your part and have some heart. Doesn't sound dangerous nor serious, but remember that every small act has a grand impact. Do your part and turn off your car. You're listening to KUBU, Low Power FM Radio in Sacramento. This is The Voice, The Voice of Sacramento. You can find KUB locally at 96.5 on your FM dial, or you can also listen to the station on the internet, accesssacramento.org. This program is The Climate Report, and I'm your host, Dale Steele. So how does a major electric utility go carbon-free? I'm NPR Chief Meteorologist Paul Hutner. This is ClimateCast. You've heard about Xcel Energy's goal to be 100% carbon-free by 2050. But what are the mechanics to get there? And is the technology there to deliver reliable power at lower cost? 
Let's ask XL CEO Ben Folk uh, how he plans to meet that climate-friendly goal. Hi, Ben. Hey, Paul. How are you? Good. Thanks for talking with us today. What is the specific plan to get to the carbon goals that XL has set by 2030 and carbon-free by 2050? Right. Well, I'll be the first to tell you that we'll have to have technologies develop to get us that last 20% of carbon uh, out of our system. Technologies that may not yet be there today? They're, they're there, but they're not commercially viable mm-hmm. uh, because affordability and reliability are critical to this. But the good news is the technologies today will get us to that 80% carbon reduction by 2030, and they'll do so in a way that is affordable and reliable. When we talk about carbon neutral versus carbon free, how does that translate to what Excel is trying to do? What we're trying to do is a very pure carbon free, meaning that none of our plants are emitting carbon and we're not having to buy Rex renewable energy credits to get there. So the reason why we're focused on that, because we want this to be sustainable and replicable. And ultimately, we're all part of this thing called the big grid. Mm-hmm. And we all interconnect with it. Very few people are truly disconnected. So we're trying to show a way that other utilities and other industries can also be carbon free. I want to get to some of the mechanics of that in a minute, but let's talk about cost first. What, sure. Where are we with the latest costs for things like wind, solar, you know, coal, all the types of energy that you have to look at? Where are those costs trending right now? You know, 10 years ago, I would be talking about buying wind at $65, and today I'm talking about buying wind for $20 or less. And that then competes head-on with the price of fossil fuels, so oftentimes I say that, you know, I might not totally retire the, the gas generation plant, but if I can use a lot less of it and make the fuel wind versus natural gas, and that, that wind fuel is cheaper than the natural gas fuel, then the environment benefits and our customers benefit. I want to talk a little bit about wind. Uh, full disclosure, I'm a 100% wind source customer with XL Energy. How many Minnesotans so have <laughs> Oh, great. How many Minnesotans have signed up for wind source or some of the solar options that you have? Oh, I think we're probably in the tens of thousands. It might even be close to 100,000. Wow. That program, uh, Paul, is where we actually go out and retire renewable energy credits, which allows you to get 100% of your energy from wind, but Again, I can do that for you. I do it for myself. We can do these things for other customers. But ultimately, it gets back to if we want to be completely carbon-free, we have to make sure that big grid that we all connect to is carbon-free. And is there demand, strong demand? Do you hear that? Do you see that from your customers? I think I went on your website and saw that uh, one of your programs has a waiting list. Is that true? Yeah, our Renewable Connect product, uh, which is kind of the next generation um, is very popular because it'll it basically locks customers in to a uh, a renewable resource for a period of time one year five year ten years uh, and then depending on what the actual prices of energy do over that time frame you might even save money and they're really interested in it because we actually go out and build that wind farm and that solar farm specifically uh, for that group of customers so the programs sell out pretty quickly. Let's talk about nuclear. How long will nuclear power remain part of Excel's portfolio? Well, I, I will tell you, Paul, it's absolutely critical that one of our plants, our Monticello plant, uh, which is scheduled to retire in 2030, we've asked under our resource plan to extend that another 10 years. Uh, we won't be able to meet that 80% goal and move away from coal uh, without uh, the extension of that nuclear plant. Now, 
where nuclear ultimately goes, I think, is dependent upon what the next generation of nuclear looks like and what the price looks like and what that compares to to other alternatives. I happen to think it needs to be in our nation's energy portfolio. It is carbon-free. It's 24-7 and it's dispatchable and very important uh, to the grid health. So I'm a fan of nuclear, but I'm also a fan of other technologies if they can do the same job. Well, let's talk about some of those other technologies. How much solar and how much wind is XL planning to add in the next several decades? Well, we've already been a, a wind leader for the last 13 years, I believe, and we'll continue that wind leadership. As we start to shut down our coal plants, we'll replace a lot of that with solar energy. So in the middle of the, the 2020s, look for us to add about 3,000 megawatts of uh, solar. And uh, I'm trying to put that in a context for your listeners, but mm-hmm. it, it would probably, it'll ultimately represent probably about 20 uh, 25% of our energy mix as we, as we move towards 2030. I had the opportunity to visit a solar garden earlier this year uh, out around Norwood, Young America, and uh, one megawatt project, I think it took up about 10 acres of mm-hmm. land. Uh, I'm curious, how are farmers and other landowners, cities reacting to the growth of solar and wind in Minnesota? Is there any pushback on the land use there? There's always some pushback on any technology, I think. But for the most part, wind has been really embraced by the farming community because you can still farm the land. Mm-hmm. And I've had farmers come up to me in all the states we serve and and and, and tell me that if it hadn't been for the wind farm we put on their, their farm and the royalty stream that goes with that, then they might not be in business. So it's generally been popular. There are issues with it. Solar's a little bit different. I mean, you can't really farm the land. And you're right, it's very land intensive, about six to eight acres for per megawatt. I think that's an issue that's more pronounced when you're closer into the metro region mm-hmm. because cities don't necessarily want to see their land be devoted to a, a solar farm. They'd rather develop it. As you get further out into the more of the remote areas, I think we can we can bridge that concern. And I just drove across southern Minnesota last weekend. It's interesting to see the uh, projects springing up here and there. Uh, let's talk about natural gas. How much natural gas is in Excel's portfolio right now, and where is that heading? Oh, right now, natural gas is probably a little under 20% of our energy mix. Uh, it'll be a little bit more uh, by 2030. But that's because we've moved completely away from coal. And coal right now is about um, 27% of our energy mix, and we're going to have it down to zero. So uh, we'll have a little bit more of natural gas to make sure uh, we stay reliable. Wind and solar and renewables will probably be in the 50-55% of our energy mix, and and then the balance will be uh, uh, nuclear and some other sources. We know that natural gas is essentially a more climate-friendly product than coal, but it also has its uh, contributions with fracking and with flaring, things like that, from methane. So where does XL's natural gas come from? Is that uh, more natural deposits or is it fracked? What can you tell us about that? I think most natural gas in the nation is now coming from the fracking process. Mm -hmm. And there's controversy with it, but... Keep in mind that 10 years ago, natural gas was probably at an 8 to $10 a unit price. Now it's $2 or less. And that's allowed us to move away from coal. Natural gas has half the carbon content as coal does. So that's a good thing. Um, uh, and I think this nation will continue to uh, need natural gas. But I also think that we have to demand that the producers of natural gas um, all, all are good actors and that they're not uh, leaking methane into the atmosphere because methane is a 20 
times the uh, content of carbon as far as a greenhouse gas. So you can't have too much leakage or you, you, you're back to square one. Uh, the good news is I think the industry is starting to realize that. Our industry, the electric utility industry, is going to make a push to say if you want us to use your product – you gotta, you gotta help us make make it worthwhile to use. Really? Do you think are your peers on board with that? Oh, I think almost all of my peers are on board with that. I can't speak for the entire industry, mm-hmm. but but uh, we recognize that natural gas is is going to be necessary for us to help uh, get some of these interim goals. Um, and if it's uh, deemed to not be an environmentally friendly product, then we're not going to be able to use it. As you look forward then toward 2050, and and we all do, and you try to meet this goal, ambitious goal that you've set out, what technologies are you looking at and do your experts tell you show the most promise for making that happen? Yeah, that's a really good question um, because we try to say we're going to be technology agnostic. You know, let's see what develops. I know how to get to that 80%. That last 20% becomes harder. But what could it be, Paul? Well, next generation of nuclear promise is to be safer, smaller, uh, which means you know less of a bet for somebody sitting in my seat. Carbon capture, which has really stumbled uh, in the early days, there's some new technologies that are coming out that I think um, economically might meet the uh, requirements that we need. Then there's a little bit further out technologies like hydrogen, and I would have laughed ten years ago if we, you know if we thought we could move to a hydrogen economy. Mm-hmm. But I'm, what I'm excited about with hydrogen is the opportunity to produce it from a process called electrolysis, uh, which would uh, basically use renewable energy to make hydrogen out of water. It's very energy intensive, but if your product's carbon-free, it's okay. And then we have basically the solution to long-term storage because hydrogen then could be stored. Uh, Unlike batteries, which have four, eight-hour windows, this could be a much uh, longer-term solution. So I'm happy about that. I'm excited about that. And then every day, just like I'm sure you do, Paul, I, I'm informed of you know the latest things that are coming out of the lab. The lab to commercial ops a long way, but if we start today mm-hmm. and we start at the federal level, state level, utilities like myself, if we start to nurture those kinds of technologies, I think we can. They'll be there when we need it by 2050. And what about battery storage? Because that's one of the critical elements. It seems like in the next couple of decades, the technology is progressing rapidly. The costs are dropping rapidly, like wind and solar have done. What do you think the potential is there for essentially storing that carbon-free wind and solar and making it available 12 or 24 hours later? It, there's definitely potential there, and you're absolutely right. Batteries have come down tremendously, um, and what you're going to see more and more batteries on our grid. And as part of our tw- 2034 plan uh, that we just filed with our commission, we'll, we'll put as much batteries and renewables on the grid <clears throat> as absolutely possible. But I think it's important to realize that the planning capacity of batteries starts to fall off pretty quick. And from planning scenarios like a polar vortex, it's, there's just not enough batteries mm-hmm. that could that could meet that uh, demand. So it sounds to me like this electric power puzzle that we deal with is a lot like the cliche that people talk about for climate solutions. There is no silver bullet, but there's lots of silver buckshot. I like that. Excel <laughs> <laughs> Energy CEO Ben Folk, thanks for being on Climate Cast today. Hey, it's my pleasure, Paul. Anytime. That's Climate Cast. I'm NPR Chief Meteorologist Paul Hutner. We are right now in the beginning of a climate and ecological crisis. 
and we need to call it what it is an emergency we must acknowledge that we do not have the situation under control and that we don't have all the solutions yet unless those solutions mean that we simply stop doing certain things we must admit that we are losing this battle we have to acknowledge that the older generations have failed all political movements in their present form have failed but homo sapiens have not yet failed yes we are failing but there is still time to turn everything around we can still fix this we still have everything in our own hands but unless we recognize the overall failures of our current systems we most probably don't stand a chance Don't forget to check out my other radio program on KUBU, Making Tracks, focusing on wildlife, nature, and environmental issues every Wednesday at 12.30 p.m., right after the Climate Report. And be sure to tune in Tuesdays at 1 p.m. for Radio EcoShock and the latest on science, issues, and authors dealing with climate change and the environment on a global scale. Hosted and produced by Alex Smith. Don't miss it. You're listening to KUBU, low-power FM radio in Sacramento. This is The Voice, The Voice of Sacramento. You can find KUB locally at 96.5 on your FM dial, or you can also listen to the station on the Internet, accesssacramento.org. This program is The Climate Report, and I'm your host, Dale Steele, drawn weekly at this day and time. This program is brought to you by 350 Sacramento, a local climate action group inspired by 350.org. I'll be your host, and each program will provide you with local, regional, and national news about climate change, as well as local calendar events, interviews, and more. For more details, including past radio programs, or if you have questions or comments, please visit 350sacramento.org. There may be hope, maybe even for us. We need a lot more people raising a ruckus, start making a fuss, start giving up. Get out into the streets and there may be hope 